episode is sponsored by 42 Fitness. F-O-R-T-W-O Fitness. It's maternity fitness wear. I have a bunch of their clothes. I love it. It's super comfortable. I wear it for about 12 weeks when I'm just no longer fitting into regular clothes. And I've been able to wear it all the way until I've given birth. And, and they're so cute. They're really cute. They have little sayings. Running for two. Training for two. I think they have lifting for two. And they also have them for people who are pregnant with twins. And they have active wear pants. All that fun stuff. Go to their website and check them out. And great news for our listeners. If you use our code, MOMOSAS, M-O-M-O-S-A-S, you get 30% off their entire site. Plus free shipping over $75. Exactly. So go to 42 Fitness, F-O-R-T-W-O Fitness.com and use the code MAMOSAS to get your discount today. And thank you guys for supporting us. By using this discount code, you directly support the podcast. Welcome to Mamosas. Hope you have your friends and your drinks nearby. You're here with Talia and Kristen. And we're here to talk about all things mom. We have Claire with us today. It's Royale, right? Is that how you pronounce it? It's Claire Martin Royal. So it's a double barreled name. Perfect. Even um, better. Family name. <laughs> <laughs> And she is the owner of the Fit Moms Plan. She does a lot of um, really amazing fitness online. And she has two kids that are 18 months apart, a -hmm. boy and a girl. And I know that I'm going to have a lot of questions for you. And I'm sure Talia will also, especially now that I'm going to have kids close in age like yours. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But we kind of have been launching it off with just just asking, you know, tell us a little bit about your birth stories. Whatever okay. you want to share about it, because I know sometimes that could be a whole episode in and of itself. Exactly. And um, both of my births were probably mm-hmm. not how you would plan them to be. Um, both were started by me being induced and both ended in me having an operation. Oh, wow. um, so um, they weren't exactly smooth running. Um Notwithstanding everything I did during my pregnancies to stay fit and active and work my core and have a pelvic floor that relaxed and contracted and all of those things, sometimes things just happen, right? And um, the birth goes the way the birth is going to go. With TJ, my eldest, um, I had gestational diabetes, which took a very long time to be diagnosed because... I didn't fall in any of the categories that they normally right. have people with digestive diabetes, um, apart from the fact that I was nearly fainting every single morning and had real ups and downs. And so I was diagnosed. So then they became concerned about the size of the baby. Okay. But um, I'm six foot four. My husband's six foot six. So it was going to be a big baby right. anyway. Yeah. Um, and, um, and in my family, there's a history of big babies. But they were convinced that this baby should come out on due date at the latest. Um, And I managed to convince them to get to that stage. Um, And then my husband also has an interesting job where he cannot take any time off. Yeah. And he had a five-day break. And um, TJ was due on the Sunday when he was due to go back and work on the Monday. Oh, Oh my gosh. So I was induced on the Friday um, just before his due date in the hope that it would be done before he went back to work on the Monday. And um, I did get it done, but literally by Sunday early hours morning. Oh, man. Uh, and it was a roller coaster. I was in Cologne in Germany, and they induce you there. This is just a fun side note. Um, by drinking a drink. So you have a drink of castor oil, white wine, orange juice. <laughs> and you drink this drink, and you think, this is never going to work. And a few hours later, your contractions start, and you're like, Okay, then. It's and this is um, a medical induction? No, no, they just give you the drink. That's so the interesting. Castor oil and orange. <laughs> wow. And um, drank the drink, the drink and um, everything started to move a few hours later. So, okay. And um, 
Then it started to slow down a little bit, but my waters then broke. Um, and during that time, I actually went to the pub and had a burger and chips, you know, <laughs> I think, but I just went along. Um, and uh, then it really slowed down after my waters broke. Um, and they gave me another cocktail. So I drank <laughs> another cocktail. <laughs> uh, and it started up again. Um, and then um, they said to me, you seem to be in a lot of pain through your contractions, which I didn't feel that much in pain. But at that time, my first birth, you listen to what the doctors say. Yeah. They said, take some paracetamol. I did. Everything came to a grinding halt. Okay. Um, I paced the hospital. Nothing was happening. So they convinced me after much persuasion to go on to oxytocin, um, which I did. And then I also was told I had to have an epidural which I was screaming and shouting at the point that they did that to me because I was like, I don't want this done. I don't want this done. Yeah. Convince me, this is what you need to have done. You need to relax. Your muscles need to relax. You should have this done. So, okay. So I had that. um, And I was on that for many hours and I really wasn't progressing. Just wasn't progressing. And we got to the point where they said to me, it's been 24 hours since your waters have broken. Um, you are going to go and have a C-section in one hour. You're like at seven or eight centimeters. Baby's not coming down the birth canal. You are going to go C-section in one hour. So we had one hour of talking about how I was going to do this. And the midwives who again are a little bit homeopathical gave me some crystals to put under my tongue (laughs) because they had my help. And the doctor came back one hour later and said, oh, you're 10 centimetres and baby's right there. You're going to be pushing. So it was like a complete emotional roller coaster because I'd gone from natural birth to, okay, I'm going to have a C-section to, okay, I'm going to actually push this baby. Right. Um, so, yeah, they dropped all the oxytocin. By this point, the epidural pretty much worn out. And um, I gave birth to TJ naturally in the end um, with an episnoctomy, which is probably one of the worst things ever. I remember just coming, bringing my head up to push and seeing the the doctor there with a pair of scissors and thinking, oh my goodness. (laughs) And that was it. No medication to numb the pain. I was also, I was also team episiotomy, so I feel your pain. (laughs) Um, And... um, that did at least allow his head to arrive. Um, and yeah. we snu- I snuggled with him and then um, had to deliver the placenta. And I just kept pushing and pushing, but nothing was happening. They were upping the oxytocin to try and get that placenta out. And um, basically you could hear a dripping and that was my blood onto the floor. Oh, oh my gosh. God. And it was just like a mess. And so I remember very calmly saying to, to Yui, my husband, um, could you take your shirt off and just hold TJ for me for a little while? Um, I need to deal with this placenta. And he was like, he, he'd sort of collapsed in the chair thinking, it's over, baby's out, right. done. <laughs> and um, I got wheeled off for immediate surgery to remove the placenta and stop the bleeding. So what and was the issue there? Um, I think it was mainly the placenta was starting to um, break up a little bit and um, they were pulling it like crazy to try and pull it out eventually. Oh, wow. Um, That was painful. And um, I got wheeled off to surgery and came back like two hours later, fully stitched up. And Yui was just as white as a sheet and just like... (laughs) I was like, where'd she go? (laughs) Yeah. um, And I just remember coming around going... Is the baby okay? Is the baby okay? Right. And, uh, so and um, so that was Sunday. We went to our hospital room. I think Yui slept all day because it was a traumatic day for him. Sounds tough, right? Yeah, he had a really tough day, guys. He held a baby for like two hours. <laughs> Exhausting. <laughs> and then he went to work the next day. Oh, my, oh God. my God. So how did you and like... I- how did you cope with having this, you know, 24-hour baby... You're like 24-hour-old baby... And having yeah. the surgery and being by yourself, like, did you have any help or? Um, no, because I was in Germany. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. I didn't really speak German. The midwives didn't really oh speak English. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Um, and um, I just 
cuddled TJ, fed him whenever he cried, yeah, and yeah. just got by, moved as little as possible. Wow. Um, and my parents came about four days later or something. Um, oh. Well, that's good. At least you had somebody to yeah, kind of help you at some yeah. point. Jeez. Um, and actually, we stayed, I stayed in hospital about a week. And for me, with the first baby, I found that really comforting because... That is a nice long stay. I wasn't completely, even though I was on my own, there was help there if I really needed it. Yeah. So if TJ was crying nonstop or something, you could call a nurse in the middle of the night. And I remember one night they came and they gave him a tummy massage and put him under a light to warm him and and helped soothe him a little bit. So um, that was really comforting. Um, When I had TJ, I just wanted to, I'm sorry, when I had Izzy, my second, I just wanted to get out of hospital as quickly as possible because I wanted to get home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, I was only in hospital sort of two days in the end. So with Izzy, um, she was like at 42 weeks and a big baby. Yeah. TJ was born nine pounds six okay. and Izzy was 10 pounds six. Oh my Ooh. God. And you birthed her. Like, yeah. I can't believe that. <laughs> out of your vagina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah whoa um and they kept saying to me well you're you're a tall girl you'll be all right and Yui kept saying yeah but her hips aren't that wide like yeah sure oh um but we did it and she was induced as well because she was just she was happy she was snug she was not gonna move yeah um so I went straight on the that was in Berlin we'd moved by that point um about six months before she no four months before she was born and um, in Berlin, they put me on the oxytocin to get me going. And um, the birth quickly happened in the course of a day. I went in at eight o'clock in the morning and I gave birth to her at four o'clock that afternoon. Oh, that um, must have been such a relief. Ramped up the drug. <laughs> it was fast. It was furious. Um, I refused pain meds because I felt that that had really slowed me down with t- TJ. Yeah. Um, and I was just determined not to be slowed down. I wanted to just go through it and get it done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do remember standing over the bed and we were just about to start pushing and thinking, oh man, can I ask for a C section right now? Yeah. Like, really have to do this. Um, and, I think we've all um, thought that at some point. Like, if yeah. I definitely remember with Nate being like, I know I don't want to recover from a C-section, but it feels like the right move in this moment. I am not interested in pushing this baby out. Yeah. If there was a nicer way to get babies out, I think I would have more. I think um, everybody would so, do it. If you could just like, you know, yeah. fart them out or something and be like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> her actual birth was very difficult in terms of getting her head out because she was a big baby. Um, and I remember a lot of screaming, a lot of shouting, Felt like I was being split from end to end. Yeah. I had, um, uh, um, obviously, from the oxytocin um, the, um, in my hand. What's it called? Oh, IV. Brain. IV in my hand. And um, at some point, I ripped that out by Ooh, accident. Oh, my gosh. There was blood all over you, all yep. over the floor. And the doctor's were like, where's she bleeding from? Where's she bleeding from? Oh, no, it's just a hand. It's okay. Again, very yeah. traumatic day for him. I know. It sounds he got like some blood on him. Yeah. Very it sounds traumatic. like he's been really working to traumatize him. <laughs> he actually went home early after this birth. <laughs> uh, he needed a nap, guys. Come on. <laughs> Hard um, day for him. Yeah, my parents were at home with TJ. And um, I gave birth to her at 4 o'clock. And then, once again, I could not deliver the placenta. And so I went, this time I didn't let them try quite so much. I said, just take me straight into surgery. I had this last time, just, you know, we've tried for a little bit, just take me into surgery. Yeah. Okay. So they took me into surgery and uh, did that. And um, I came around, fed Izzy, um, 10 pounds, six, full head of hair. I don't know if you remember this, Kristen, from my pictures. I when do remember from- how much hair she had. Full head of hair. It was crazy. Um, and... Um, I said to, T- to Yui, you better go home to TJ because he'll be wondering where we are. My parents need to go back to the hotel. And he did. <laughs> and the nurses wheeled me to the labor ward 
And they parked the bed and I had my suitcase on the end of the bed and I was holding Izzy and they said, okay, then we'll be back in a bit. And they walked out. And I remember thinking, okay, then you wouldn't let me go into the toilet by myself. But now I have to unpack and move my baby into the cot by myself. Um, And again, it was in a German hospital. My German wasn't much better by this point, a little maybe. Um, And so I just remember pulling Izzy into the bed and saying to her, you can sleep next to mummy all night long. We're just going to be in this single bed. You can feed all night if you want to. Let's just get through the night. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so both my births kind of um, didn't go to plan because I really wanted birth just to start by itself. And obviously with the surgery at the end. Um, But I did manage to have natural births with both of them. which I don't know why we set that expectation on ourselves. It's really silly. Yeah. Um, actually, I think if you choose a C-section, that's sometimes very sensible. And if that's right for you, that's a good thing to do. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, I had it in my mind that I really wanted natural births. And um, I did achieve that, at least. So Good, good yeah. work. <laughs> but, um, Yui went on for Izzy's birth. Um, he flew to Finland, I think it was, three days after she was born. So I came home from the hospital by taxi oh and my, my hormones were everywhere. And I remember just crying and being a real hormonal mess. So, so um, that kind of transitions me into one of the questions I had for you. So I know your husband's job is it takes him out a lot. I mean, you're basically a single mom for it's like three quarters of the year, right? Yeah, so he's an ice hockey coach, so he works when there's games, um, and the season normally runs from kind of end of July through to about May, some point. Yeah, depending on when he whether he then goes to like the World Championships or something. Sometimes right, they do okay. that at the end of the normal season. Um, and you know, if you're in the championship games, then often you can fly all over the place, but. Um, when I had both my kids were in Germany and he had to travel all across Germany to go to the different games. And especially in Berlin, there was often four day road trips most weeks. Um, and we were living in Germany. So I was away from friends, away from family. Um, we move quite a lot every two, three years. So you don't have those sort of long friendships um, yeah. when you're in places. And I had, I moved to Cologne when I was about seven and a half months pregnant with TJ. Yeah. And I moved to Berlin when I was about six months pregnant with Izzy. Isn't it so, so fun I, moving while you're pregnant? Awesome. And packing up a whole house. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you just do what you have to do, right? Yeah. You, you sometimes don't even question it. You just keep doing what you need to do and you make everything you can out of every day. Um, I'm an awesome multitasker and I rarely sit down. Even when I'm at the, watching TV, I'm always doing something else at the same time. And I've always been like that, to yeah. be honest, pre-kids. <laughs> and um, you can't set too high expectations of yourself. In those early days, the main goal was to get out for a walk at some point every right. day and have some fresh air and that was kind of the goal. <laughs> I guess I was just really impressed because after you had Izzy, I had met you before that and you had Izzy and then like you were still building a successful business mm-hmm. while single parenting two kids 18 months apart from mm. the outside. So this is what I saw. Okay. Wow. Mm. Claire just had her second giant kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she is building a business pretty successfully um, and she's able to kind of, you know, get good information out there for people that need it. Um, and it seems like you're doing a lot with your kids. Your kids are pretty active. Uh, what did that feel like on the inside, though? Like for you, did you feel like, yeah, I definitely have it as together as it seems? Or were you like, I'm ready to blow my brains out? It's interesting because <laughs> I thought I was quite real at the time and tried to report on my complete lack of sleep during that time. I do remember that. Like, I remember being like, and how does she do this on no sleep? Like, that was always my question. (laughs) Um, Again, I think you just do sometimes. I'm sometimes an incredibly determined person, and you just 
Um, so yeah, when I had Izzy, TJ was just 18 months old. Prior to having Izzy, it was very much TJ and mummy. And in fact, we lived for five months, just TJ and is TJ and I in Cologne on our own. Um, while I was pregnant with Izzy because um, you had already moved to Berlin and we didn't have a family home to move to yet. So we stayed in Cologne okay. and we moved. So for five months, it was just TJ and mummy. And when Izzy was born, he did not take it well. Um, yeah. He was very jealous. Um, he turned into a little monster and he stopped sleeping at night completely. Um, wouldn't go to bed, was up all through the night. Um, and it was really hard. And I think um, there were lots of times when I would be crying and completely um, exasperated by what to do um, yeah. and lonely and just making it through every day. Um, I remember once my midwife coming around and I'd just been trying to give TJ some milk from a bottle and Izzy was crying to be breastfed and TJ had knocked the bottle out of my hand, spilt the milk all over the floor. Oh, no. And I was trying to tidy up and I was just crying and I thought this midwife's going to think like I'm a complete emotional wreck. Yeah. <laughs> there was definitely times when I was just about holding it together during the day. Yeah. I think for me, it was going out every day, no matter how hard that was, mm-hmm. I forced us to put on our clothes and go out for a walk. Yeah. Go to yeah. a park, even if it was just across the road. We were lucky we had a park just across the road, a little city park. It was not very good, but it was outside. And I would do workouts a lot, which I know sounds like, how the hell do you fit a workout in <laughs> when you're this busy and you've got two young children? But doing 15 minutes of a workout kept me sane. Yeah. Like yeah. just moving my body a little bit. Um, the minute they would nap or if Izzy would nap, I would use TV sometimes for TJ to just keep him quiet for 10, 15 minutes right. so that I could just do yep. some squats or some lunges, some really simple basic stuff just to feel like I'd done something for me in that entire day. Um, because we didn't have family support. I didn't have babysitters or anything. So um, it was just making it through the day. The house was a mess. I remember once our washing machine broke and the guy came around and I was just so apologetic. He could barely get to the washing machine. Yeah. (laughs) There was so much stuff all over the floor. So Um, comforting for me to hear this because I feel like that's always my thing. I'm like, my house just looks like a bomb went off 24-7 and I'm always like, this isn't who I am. Don't judge me. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, so it's interesting that on the outside, I look like I kind of had it all together because I think nobody truly has it together all the time. Yeah. Even those yeah. interest moms, nobody completely has it together. Um, and I was trying to do my business and I was trying to look after the kids and I probably didn't prioritize myself enough in that time um, mm. because I would just deal with the kids all day and I worked every evening. Yeah. I used to put the kids to bed and sometimes that would take a long time at that point. Right. Um, and then I would work for like three hours, four hours, and then I would start the night shift, as I used to call it, because <laughs> then I would sometimes just lay on the floor in the hallway between their rooms because one would be up, then the other would be up, then the other one would be up, then oh the other my one would spent my nights running between the rooms um but I don't know you just somehow get through um um, I was just gonna say I think you've got to focus on day by day not the big picture and um TJ got to a year after Izzy was born and he suddenly started sleeping and he just suddenly accepted Izzy and now they're really great friends so I think the early days are hard, but now they're close in age and they get on really well most of the time and they play great most of the time. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, It's kind of worth (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you... um, I know a lot of people struggle with this and they're not sure if it's actually postpartum depression or anxiety or postpartum OCD or anything like that. 
until after the fact when you kind of look at it and go, oh, is that what that is? Yeah. So do you feel um, like you had any of those sort of things going on? Um, I, I was never diagnosed with anything. I never went to my doctor about any of those conditions, partly because I think, like many mums, you think, well, this is just motherhood. Right, <laughs> this is just normal. crazy. I'm completely tired and I'm completely exhausted, but maybe this is just life now. Um, when I look back, um, I didn't have really long periods of feeling down or feeling anxiety, but I definitely had days where I was feeling lonely or isolated or everything yeah. just seemed to go wrong. Yeah. Um, so, and I think sometimes when you only have that pockets of anxiety, you feel like you can't say, oh, I had postpartum anxiety or depression right. because you didn't have it the whole time and you managed to still carry on functioning. Right. But I think as mums, we don't realize the toll it really has on us. Yeah. And um, one of the things I've been trying to be open about on social media and things is that Recently, I found out that actually it's had a real impact on my hormonal balance by mm. working so hard for the three, four years yeah. and just spinning all the plates. Um, and my hormone balance is completely out of whack. And from about April of this year, having felt really tired and exhausted for no real reason from about January... Um, I was getting my period every two weeks. Oh, sounds um, familiar. Yeah. Go yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. And so I went to one doctor and they checked everything and said, oh, you're fine. And then I went to another doctor and said, I want my hormones tested. And they were like, yeah, you have no progesterone. <laughs> you're at such a low level. Um, you're going to have to go on HRT, which you think, I'm 40. How can I be going on HRT? But it's important that we have hormonal balance and it's important that we feel good and we don't just feel constantly tired and put that down to, well, I'm mum, so I'm tired. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've only been on it uh, a month so far, so I haven't felt huge um, benefits. But I'm hoping that as my hormones start to balance out and as I'm starting to take more steps to try and balance yeah. my work life, stress um but i see benefits to that now the kids have started school which mm -hmm. has been a little bit of a disaster with the nap for izzy <laughs> right yeah yeah um have you found like oh the kids are in school now i have time to get things done or you're like oh the kids are in school and i'm still wondering when i will ever get anything done um it's amazing how fast that time goes when they're in school yeah um, Amazing. Um, we moved to Prague, where we are now, um, about six weeks before they started school. So um, the first few weeks of them being in school were still very much unpacking and sorting things and trying to find out where my local amenities were, how they worked, um, and just um, finding my feet a little bit. Um, working out even where my gym is and then you go to the gym and everything's in a different place. The workout takes longer because you can't find anything. Um, and I still find at the moment that it comes to three o'clock and I think, Oh, I haven't quite done everything that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. A little bit more time. I definitely have more time here than I did in Berlin because I'm not working with one-on-one -on -one clients. Whereas in Berlin, um, I dropped the kids off and then I used to run between boot camp. <laughs> and clients and kids' fitness classes and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I used to put them to bed and do my online work of an evening. And oh so you've gosh. been doing this with your husband mostly gone, and you don't, you didn't have a babysitter or a nanny, a chef, or, like, any family nearby that helped out. No. We had a cleaner um, that came Good. once a week. Um, and then I had a babysitter, but I only used that babysitter when I was going out on like a date night. Okay. Um, so rarely, <laughs> um, um, I never used her so that I could work. Um, so I used to just always do my one-on-one -on -one stuff and things that were based in Berlin during the day. And then I did my online stuff at night. 
So was that a conscious decision? Like you didn't want, you wanted to be able to spend those early years with the kids or were you just like, financially, I don't want to spend the money or I feel mom guilt or. Um, I think it was partly mom guilt. Sure. That should have time to pick them up and partly because I really wanted to. And I Mm -hmm. felt very privileged and grateful that I wasn't doing a nine to five job. Yeah. And I ran my own time. And so that meant that I could pick them up and spend from three till bedtime with them mm-hmm. and work in the evening. And um, if I'd have been doing a nine to five or nine to longer job, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to spend that time with them. I wanted to be there to pick them up and drop them off and, um, and that's partly why I'm not doing all the one-on-one stuff right now because we've moved country again. They're in a new school. And I decided I just wanted to be able to help them really settle Yeah. Bef- mm-hmm. before I start doing business things. Yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. So how have they done with the moving? Like, how have they done with... Well, the- they've done really well? Really well. Even um, with the language? I was going to say, do they speak... So what language... Did it's, I mean? Yeah, I'm assuming yeah. they speak English in the home because you speak. They English. speak English in the home. They speak a little bit of German with Daddy. Um, their school is an English international school. Okay. So their lessons are in English. There are a lot of children in the school that actually speak Czech or other languages. Okay. Um, and so they're exposed to Czech through their school friends and how they play mm-hmm. in the playground. Um. And um, then they have Czech lessons, I think, twice a week as well. That makes school. sense. Yeah. Uh, but they are so adaptable. And I think as long as they are together, which they're actually in the same building, which is really nice and partly why we chose that school. They're in different classes, but their classrooms are right next to each other. Yeah. Um, and they also just as long as we're together as a family they love it when we're all here together mm-hmm. okay uh, with me and then I think they're pretty adaptable um and it's been easier for them just to make friends with their school friends and um get into new activities and just switch into Prague life um whereas for me it's actually been a little bit you know another new challenge of making new friends, meeting new people, mm-hmm. uh, which you meet people through the school. Um, but it takes a while to develop relationships. It takes sure. a while to develop friendships. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit like dating all over again. Yep. You meet a mom and you talk to them a bit, can I give you my number, please? Yeah. <laughs> Do our Do you... kids get along? Yeah. Well, and it's yeah. like, you know, it's so interesting because some people are like, they're very adaptable and easy to do that and then there are some people that are like that's not my jam I don't want to get to know you so like do you find yourself to be more of like an extrovert or an introvert when like meeting new people and like initiating that instinctively I'm an introvert and I would I could quite easily just get up drop the kids off go to the gym do my household chores or my work chores or study and then go pick the kids up and spend the time with them or my husband Mm -hmm. um but I know that's not healthy for me long term. And I think having fellow mums around you is really good for your health. Yeah. <laughs> and so I do force myself to interact with other mums and to make friendships and meet up on play dates or yeah. talk to them. And Did sometimes you- these other mums are actually in the same situation. And you don't realize it, but they're actually exactly the same situation as you. Yeah. Uh, they, I had one mum that I met at the football club, and she's a full-time working mum. So when we tried to arrange a meet-up, she was not v- very often around, and she has one small child. Her husband's working in London. And so I actually said, well, do you want me to just come around to your house one evening? Maybe if you is at home, I could actually just go around to your house and we could just have a chat there yeah mm-hmm. amazing because i would love to meet some people and i just can't get out yeah and yeah so grateful that i've made that suggestion yeah even though it's a little strange to make it because we really don't know each other 
um, if that's a good way to connect, then let's give it a go. Yeah, it's yeah. a scary thing to put out there. You know, again, because basically you are dating when you're making new mom friends. Yeah. yeah. Did you go to yeah. any of like any kind of mom groups when the kids were younger? Um, I did, but they were in German. Oh. <laughs> I remember going to, especially with TJ, and just sitting there thinking, I can't speak to anyone, but no one's speaking to me. Um, so they weren't overly successful. In Berlin, there was a Facebook group for moms, and okay. I met a couple of really great people through that. And then my work actually really introduced me to great people. Yeah. Because... I started advertising my mum's boot camp and I started doing like a road tour for people on diastasis recti, abdominal separation. And I would have these groups of like 10 women and talk to them all about it and do some initial exercises and test them all. And and some of those meetings actually resulted in friendships. Yeah. I mean, that's, I've also experienced that where like, through the breastfeeding and then the boot yeah. camp idea. Yeah, right, exactly. exactly. So um, I've made a couple friends through that as well. So since you're on the subject, can you talk a little bit about, I know you could probably, again, do a whole podcast on this, um, <laughs> but do talk a little bit about DR and the abdominal separation and maybe just kind of help with basic information because I know there is a lot of misinformation out there about maybe do's and don'ts during pregnancy and and why you don't do things. So it's not necessarily that it's harmful to the baby, but mm. more like your body and stuff well, and like lo- that. A lot of people don't even know about it. Like I remember I talked to somebody about strengthening their pelvic floor and they went, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> they just like some people just don't even, like I didn't know about it until I met you. So. Yeah. I think thanks to social media, the topic of diastasis recti is becoming more commonly known about, but yeah, yeah. there's still so many moms that don't know about it because Doctors and midwives do not mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that's just very, very rarely. Occasionally you get a good doctor or a good midwife, but it's very rarely talked about. And it's often treated, especially by insurance companies, as a cosmetic issue. So it's just not given high priority by the health professionals. I just is... can't roll my eyes enough at that. Yeah. And I don't want to make this about gender roles here, but, I, but I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> do it. <laughs> I feel like I've had conversations with friends about this and one friend in particular is very adamant about this, but she said, you know, if this was a male issue, if men were peeing their pants when they jump or couldn't hold their pee, there would be a pill for it. Mm -hmm. So why is this like just brushed off by the insurance companies? Hysterical women. Yeah. Quote unquote. (laughs) And women struggling to get coverage to see a physiotherapist and... Um, so it's something that I knew of before I had TJ, um, but I had severe diastasis with TJ. Um, I don't think it's necessarily anything I did during pregnancy. I think it was just the way I carried him and he was a big baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I remember my midwife really telling me nothing about it afterwards and giving me no exercises. And I think it was at that point that I started a reading up even more on it and B, trying to actually spread the word about it. And it's something that during pregnancy, you can't necessarily prevent it because the abdominal separation is the way that your body allows your belly to grow to accommodate a growing baby. But there's certainly things you can do or modifications you can make to ensure or try to ensure that it's not as bad as it could otherwise be. Right. So, for example, um, planking or crunches, you know, I would recommend that you don't do them past a certain date, past like once you've got that bump really, kind of like the 14, 15, 16 weeks of pregnancy. You want to probably start modifying um, and you want to start increasing the incline of your plank or just stop doing crunches altogether. Um, because you want to think long term. Pregnancy is nine months, mm-hmm. and it's worth taking the long term view. So it's yeah. worth waiting to see to look after your baby, look after your look body. after yourself. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And 
you can get back to crunches and planks and all things horizontal um, another another time. Yeah. So um, during pregnancy, I recommend from sort of 14, 15, 16 weeks, once you've got a bit of the bump showing, you start to make modifications to the exercises you do and you start where possible to think about your daily movements because whilst we do a 30-minute workout, we move 24-7 and it's those daily movements that can really hamper our recover well our diastasis recti in the first place and our recovery postpartum yeah mm-hmm. and you do um, a lot of posts on this particularly yeah. yeah because it's something that's really overlooked and mums are often busy doing their exercises to heal their diastasis recti whilst doing a hundred crunches every night while breastfeeding their baby sitting up and putting them back into their crib <laughs> right um, and so it's counterproductive. The crunches are winning over the five minute of healing exercises that you've done. Um, so I would recommend that all mums um, see a physiotherapist, pelvic floor physiotherapist during pregnancy if you can, but certainly post pregnancy, because no matter what you read online, everyone is individual. For some, cables are a good idea. For others, if you have a tight pelvic floor, cables are going to make the position worse. It's not yeah. what you want. So a pelvic floor specialist is actually going to be able to have a look, have a feel, and give you specific recommendations that are suitable for you. Yeah. Then I recommend that you take some actions during pregnancy to modify and to stop doing things that might harm your core. Be conscious with how you do your daily movements. And then post-birth, don't jump right back into your core work. Think about healing from the inside outwards. So you want to work on that pelvic floor. You want to work on those deep transverse abdominals first. Um, You want to do gentle healing exercises. You want to be very aware of your daily movements, how you're holding your baby, how you sleep, and I know that sounds like, well, I've got a thousand and one other things to do. I'm just trying to work out how to breastfeed. The last thing I want to think about is my diastasis recti. But I think if you think about it for a little bit at some point, then <laughs> it becomes just part of daily life. And yeah, you yeah. just start to become aware of when you're doing things that actually involve you pushing your belly out and possibly worsening your diastasis recti or when you're accidentally doing a crunch. Yeah. Uh, uh, So um, you you can test yourself post-birth. There's many videos out there online on how to test yourself. I have a YouTube video um, which is linked on my Instagram of how to test yourself. and really work on it. Don't just think, well, I have an abdominal gap and this is life now. I have a weak pelvic floor and an abdominal gap, which is going to leave me with mommy tummy forever. Um, there are steps you can take. Three and a half year old mommy tummy. So could people potentially still do that? Like, you yeah. know, your kid is three. You have that yeah. pooch and you're like, ugh. I mean, and I probably, you know, wet my pants every time I jump it down, which is why <laughs> I hate knee highs. absolutely um there have been many cases of women with 10 year old children and they are still able to improve their core function um you've just got to start connecting to that pelvic floor you've got to start connecting to your deep transverse abdominals and take the time to work on strengthening them okay so can you explain for moms Um, so say you have someone who says, yeah, you know, I understand that I'm wetting myself and it, but everybody does. And, um, I know I shouldn't be doing crunches, but I look great. I have a six pack. Uh, so who cares? What are kind of some of the, what are the medical downsides to not taking the time to let that heal and reconnect the tissues? Well, back pain is the big one that lots of people experience if they have a weak core. Because if your core is compromised, then other muscles are going to have to take over. So you see a lot of people with back pain. You can have pelvic girdle pain as a result of um, still having the diastasis recti. Um, Herniation um, can occur. 
Um, it does lead to sometimes the co- which is the cosmetic angle, you know, the mummy tummy because it becomes slightly distorted. You can have much worse bloating and effects like that. She's talking um, about me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for the pelvic floor, if you don't strengthen your pelvic floor, you're much more likely to suffer from prolapse at some point in your life. And can you explain what prolapse is? It's basically your vagina or your bowel falling out of your body. I mean, yeah. it's like it can be different degrees, right. and some, and it can be just a small amount with pressure, or it can actually be literally falling out. Um, and you know that is not good news. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. hey, look, there it is in the toilet, there, or in my <laughs> pants. You know, yeah. whatever. So, um, you you really want to look after that inner core. If you think of your pelvic floor as like your weakest point, because if that is not strong, it holds up everything else that's above it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, you know, it, it's got to be strong. Good. It's the bottom of your cylinder. Your core is like a cylinder your diaphragm at the top and your pelvic floor at the bottom. And um, it has to be strong to do its job. Yeah. You're also going to be in and out of the toilet the whole time, probably with stress continence as well. Yeah. It's not a way to live and it affects your, you know, those are the physical elements. But if you're suffering with back pain and you're in and out of the toilet and you don't feel you can jump and you don't feel you can run, that is going to affect your personality your mood your emotional state your mentality yeah, sure it's gonna stop you from doing things it's gonna mean you don't go to those parties where you might have to jump or the fitness class where you might have to do your knee highs because you're worried about what's gonna happen to you right um and well, there's no way to live it's just like a great start for an infomercial and it's like and then this is the point where they would like prescribe the pill for like the man who's like do you pee yourself at parties afraid to do those knee highs well here's this i mean it's like how are people not taking this as a serious thing considering that like 50 percent of the population is probably like experiencing some form of it's hard too i think because you're told it's normal like you're told it's normal to pee your pants oh you're a mom here's a panty liner it's common but it's not normal but it shouldn't yeah it's common but it shouldn't have to be yeah and it's become a joke it's yeah. become funny and we kind of all laugh at each other when someone says oh i went to a bouncy castle and i beat my pants or it was so funny i laughed and beat my pants and we all go oh yeah i did that too and we should really be saying sorry you peed your pants do you need me to refer you to a physical therapist? Right. I'm going to start carrying that on a card. <laughs> Peed your pants? You're yeah. absolutely right, as I'm making a joke of it right now. It's just tough because I think, especially for, like, Claire and I, we understand that, like, this doesn't, this isn't normal. This doesn't have to be normal. And then so it's, I don't know if this happens to you, but I have a really hard time when people make those jokes being like, I don't find this funny, but I don't want to be a buzzkill, so I'm just going to stand here. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like basically the rest of the population that will like make the funny joke and you guys are like, but seriously, this shouldn't be happening. Right. And I think it's hard too, because there is so much pressure to kind of get back to your pre-pregnancy body or to feeling normal or whatever. But oh, I mean, yeah. you think it, look at those magazines where it's like, oh my God, so-and-so just had a baby six weeks ago and look at her bikini body. And you're just like, well, problem is that you can have a abs and a bikini body and you can have a completely messed up pelvic floor at the same time right the the fact that someone has abs really does not tell you whether or not they have a good functioning core right clearly Uh, yeah yeah and we we look at the materialistic side of things but really we should be celebrating women who can say i'm six months postpartum and i jump without yeah seriously (laughs) and think about if you take okay so let's say you slow it down for a year and you take you know instead of jumping back in at six weeks you go slow and then it takes you really a full year to get back to what you were doing but you're also not peeing your pants all the time yeah i mean that sounds like a win that's like a lifelong exciting thing long-term long-term plan over the short-term gains yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. well Um, i'm like i mean i mean at least in you know, American society, you're just, it's like that, you want that quick fix, you know, 
oh, everyone else is like expecting this or doing this. So I want to do that too. And like, who cares what's happening on the inside? I just want to look good on the outside. And mm-hmm. I think there's a big disconnect there as far as like what you're talking about, how like it really works from the inside out. Yeah. You have to work on the inside before you can think about the outside. But so many people are consumed with how I look. Yeah. doesn't matter if I feel like a dump fire, like, but I look amazing. I'm a 10 inside. I want to set myself on fire, but I look hot. So that's Do you all that have that battle a lot, Claire, of like, um, with clients saying, okay, I know that you want to sweat, but here's what we have to do first. Like, let's take a couple weeks to do these steps. I know you're really dying to sweat. Do you, do you feel like that's a constant conversation you're having? Yeah. Clients always want fast results, right? Yeah. We're in that sort of world, we're in that society where everyone wants fast results until they maybe go away for a little bit and then they come back and they go, yeah, I did this really popular online program. Now my diastasis is worse. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. worse. I've got back pain. Um, I can't actually function on a daily basis. Now I would like to do those steps that we talked about before. Yeah. <laughs> How frustrating is that? I think everyone's got to do it in their own time and you've got to be at the right mental place, right? Yeah. Doing it. You can't true. pressure someone to do their pelvic floor exercises or right. to do the transverse abdominal work. If they don't want to, they're just not going to do it. Um, but if they want to progress long term, so I was trying to tell them it's actually so important that you do the foundation work because if you skip the foundation work, you are going to end up injured or in some difficulty that means you have to go back again. Right. So you might be doing your crunches, your planks, you're starting to look awesome, and then there's going to probably be a point that it comes to a halt. Yeah. And you're going to have go back at some point and do that foundation work whether that's three years down the line 10 years down the line or six months down the line um and so you might as well just do it at the beginning when your baby's young you, they take less time um that's it's true. shorter workouts it's lower impact it's probably more friendly for why you're breastfeeding and all that sort of thing um so just get it done at the beginning and then you can progress and progress and progress and progress. And you don't I, have to go back. I totally agree with you. And I feel like you and I should just kind of write up like a quick, like one page, like thing to give to our clients that we're saying over and over, like just do the foundation. <laughs> but I'm curious your thoughts on this because my doctors um, pretty much have never agreed on anything. I, I've seen like 10 different doctors when I'm pregnant because I move. And I always go to group practices. So I've, I have probably seen over 10 doctors as OBs. I have had one in all of them who even acknowledges that I have a pelvic floor. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but he, he, was, he wanted me to stop running. He said, I know you've been running for years and everything. And I ran through my previous two pregnancies and, my doc- and I always ask, is there a time I should stop running? Is it okay that I'm running? What are the side effects? And they always tell me, no, 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 you've been running. It's totally fine. And this doctor was like, I want you to stop between 20 and 24 weeks. And he had a great case for it. And I totally was like, yep, I agree with you. I'm curious your thoughts on running in pregnancy in how it affects the pelvic floor in diastasis recti. I'd say to start with, it depends what you're doing before. And um, during pregnancy is not the time to start running if you didn't do it before. Um, if you were a keen runner like yourself beforehand, then you can probably keep running for much longer than someone who wasn't. Um, running is a stress on your joints and on your pelvic floor. And um, I always tell people that I would recommend you start to slow it down. Um, perhaps you don't stop altogether depending on your fitness level, how the pregnancy is going, but you might also want to stop because you want to think about that long-term position again. And if you run in the third trimester of your pregnancy, you are putting pressure on your pelvic floor. Um, No matter what other steps you take to try and improve your pelvic floor, you're going to be putting some pressure on it by running. And you're going to be putting some pressure on your joints, which are slightly more susceptible to injury due to the hormone relaxing that's coursing through your body. Um, so it's individual basis. I try 
for some mums, they just have to run because it's like their mental thing and they don't like to do any other type of workout. And they're like, I just have to run, Claire. Like, I can't not run. And I'm like, okay, then we need to really modify it. And we probably need to do less. We need to do a smaller, a, a slower pace. You need to do smaller steps. If you keep the legs under you a little bit more rather than big strides. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Watch the heels, do more walking, a little bit of walking, a little bit of running, a little bit of walking. Um, Then maybe you can keep doing a little bit of what you really love and what really keeps you going. Um, But do think about that long-term gain. And maybe there's something else that I know you're trying out swimming that you actually really like and that is a little bit more pelvic friend pelvic floor friendly yeah that was his whole point was that the damage it does to the pelvic floor he was like you can do almost any other exercise and it's not going to do the same amount of damage i did more cardio when i was pregnant with tj than i did when i was pregnant with izzy and with izzy i did mostly weightlifting. Um, through the pregnancy with a little bit of running in the early days um, and I found my recovery postpartum was much better with Izzy yeah mm. and I think that was because I did more weight training yeah I also had less backache and other symptoms of pregnancy like swelling and things like that um, with Izzy and yeah. I think there's big benefits to doing resistance training while you're pregnant I had the same experience. I think I did a lot more lifting with Finley and my recovery was much faster. Although I do have to put the caveat of I had the episiotomy with Nate. So there's just no way for me to know if that alone. And Nate's head is like ginormous. So imagine if you hadn't had the episiotomy. Well, he would have come out. (laughs) (laughs) So we usually do just a couple like wrap up questions. Yeah. To signify the end yeah. of our podcast. So we always love to ask, what is something that uh, your kids have done in the last like couple of days, couple of weeks that has just been like totally hilarious to you? The thing that really makes me laugh is when they mimic you. So <laughs> they come out with the phrases that you have used. Mm-hmm. And um, Izzy got into bed, I think it was last night, and said... Mummy, when you told me to go to bed, I was not happy with you. <laughs> I sometimes say to her, I'm not happy with you right now, Izzy. And it was just, you hear you saying mm-hmm. that sentence, and it just cracks me up. Um, it's amazing how much they take in, right? They listen and oh, totally. repeat. Yeah. So I think that's probably... Um, yeah, the thing that really tickles me with them. They're both doing it a lot at the moment. They're both coming out with little phrases. Yeah. That I'm saying to them. <laughs> so what has been the most ridiculous thing that they've done, good or bad, either one of them, in the last couple of weeks? Um, I feel like it's going to be another Izzy story just based on following you on social media. Like, she just yeah. seems so hilarious. Um, yesterday, she went to do a wee-wee in the toilet. And... <laughs> I said, are you okay? She was like, yeah. So I went just to check, and she was stood on the step, pulling her bits apart, trying to pee like a boy. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> Good for her. You know, you got to try it out. You, Listen, know, you don't know. It, when you have an older brother, you're going to do that. I had an I older brother. I think when older brother, very aware of the dis- differences between boys and girls. They yeah. bath together. They regularly talk about Daddy has a willy. Mommy doesn't. Right. Uh, granddad has one. Nanny doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I think, it's yeah, a, we've had... Do you have that, like, where... Well, TJ's your older one. My oldest will be like, Mommy, where's your penis? And like, it's just not coming, Ma, bud. Like, I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Um, both of them are very curious about that. So, yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> Watching them grow and discover these new things and learn about life, it's its funny. It's hilarious daily. But, yeah, Izzy definitely is the main one that keeps us entertained. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. 
Well, thanks so much for chatting with us. And I hope that all the conversation about pelvic floor is helpful to somebody that's listening. I mean, it was helpful to me. All of our 18 listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now. But thank you for sharing that information. And uh, if anybody wants more information, what is your Instagram handle so people can look you up? We'll link all your stuff. My Instagram is at the fit mom's plan. Um, so yeah, as you said, I put lots of stuff on there about pelvic floor, diastasis and, and most daily. of the workouts I put on there, I do try and actually comment whether or not it's diastasis recti friendly or not. Yeah. Uh, it always you- really frustrates me when you see workouts online from people that even specialize and then they don't actually say whether it's friendly or not. Yeah. Oh, that's important. And then you do also... I like I mentioned earlier a lot of stuff about just daily movements like you yeah. and you've been doing weekly themes which I've loved uh, like this week I think was getting back into working out or getting into yeah. working out um, so and then your website is thefitmomsplan.com yeah exactly okay yeah awesome well thank all you right. so much yeah, for joining really us really great talking to you thank you for having me I've been listening to all your podcasts so oh. See uh, one of the eighteen. Yes. Yeah, I'm one of the eighteen. <laughs> no, they're really good. Keep it up. All Thank right. you. Thanks so much, Claire. Okay, take care. You Bye. too. Bye. Bye.